We're going to start out this morning, uh, just once again, I'm just kind of laying the foundations for marriage as I did last week. We're going to continue this morning. I want to start out here in Nehemiah verse, uh, chapter 4 and verse 13. It says this, here, here we are, Nehemiah is getting ready to rebuild the wall. Uh, Israel's been in captivity for many, many years, and Nehemiah is the cupbearer for the king, and he hears that uh, the walls are broken down, that the fire had been set there at Jerusalem, that it was laying in uh, desolation, and it really saddened his heart. And he was weeping, and he was sad before the king. The king had asked him what his problem was, and so he told him. And so he allowed the, uh, the king allowed Nehemiah to go and rebuild the wall. And here we are in verse 13. It says, Therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall, at the openings, and I set the people according to their families, with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. That's an important statement. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Hopefully you know that we are in a battle and that it is all-out war with the devil when it comes to our families. And this here says, it says, do not be afraid of them. You know, what's going on in the world today with the LGBTQ and uh, I don't know how many other letters are going to keep adding to that. Uh, I tell you, a lot of the things that are going on, the attack upon uh, marriages in America is just ferocious. But we should not be afraid of them. We need to trust in the Lord our God, know who He is, and know that He uh, is going to do some great and mighty things. And those marriages that are struggling here, even within our congregation, I'm, I'm just believing for uh, God to do a miraculous thing. I'm mindful of uh, probably within our first year of being here, maybe within our second year of being here at Harmony, would have been about 2006, maybe 2007. We had two families here within the congregation that were in serious trouble. And God just came in. We began to meet with those two couples. And God miraculously, I mean, just like laying your hand on someone who is full of sickness and disease, and they're instantly healed. Those two marriages were instantly healed. I've never seen anything like it before. Those two marriages were like the snap of your finger is like everything just turned around and those two marriages were instantaneously healed. Now, whether that will happen in your situation, I don't know. But I do know one thing. God is in, still in the healing business today and He will heal your marriage if you will give yourself to Him and surrender to Him. So we don't need to be afraid of what's going on in the world. I'm very concerned about what's going on in the world. But we're not going to be afraid of those situations. He says, remember the Lord, great and awesome. Man, if we'd just put God number one. Amen? And then it says, to fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. It's a fight. And I don't want this to sound boastful, but I'll tell you, Jackie is the one who fought for our family. She's the one who fought for our kids. She's the one who is fighting for our grandkids. There's many times, many, many, many times where I've gotten up at five o'clock in the morning or six o'clock in the morning and she's already at her prayer chair and she is, she is crying out to the Lord for our family. It's a battle and that's where the battle takes place. 
We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of wickedness in high places. And I'll tell you what, she does warfare. She goes after the devil and he runs. Do, do you hear what I'm saying? I'm, t- I'm telling you, this, this is where you win the battle. You win the battle on your knees. And you win your battle in the prayer closet. You win the battle crying out to God for His mercy and His grace and for His blessing. And you do that it's spiritual warfare because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So whether you're in that situation or you're not in that situation, if you're not in that situation, pray that you don't enter into that situation. If you are, God can do a miraculous thing. Praise the Lord. Because we are in a battle. Now, in this battle that Nehemiah is in, actually it's a physical battle that he's talking about. But in the context of our homes here in America, hopefully it's not a physical battle, but it is a battle. It's just as real. And I just want to take a moment here to maybe, Josh has the microphone. I just kind of like to pass it around. I've already named, I think, the two key ingredients for us to come against the wiles of the devil and to win this battle. But I'd like for some of, maybe some of you to stand and say what you would think, uh, or maybe just, just call it out, what you think would be something that we can do as believers to win this battle. I've mentioned, first of all, we've got to have God as number one. I think that's pretty obvious. Secondly, there's spiritual warfare. What would be after that? Anybody want to, want to have a comment on that? Yes, Ann. Know the Bible. You want to expound on that just a moment, or do you want me to expound on it? <laughs> okay. Well, this is what Ann was, was wanting to say about <laughs> expanding. Ex- Amen. Amen. The Bible says um, that my people perish for lack of knowledge. And many people, they, they don't know. They, they have a head knowledge, but they don't have a heart knowledge of God's Word. And there has to be an experiential knowledge that you have of God's Word. In other words, whenever you get into a situation, you can't just know that, uh, that the Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. I mean, you have to experientially know that. And the way you do that is when you get into a situation... Lord, now is whenever I really need to experience your presence. Whenever I need it. You experientially partake of the knowledge of the, of the Word. Does that make sense? So every time that you get into a situation, it is an opportunity for Jesus to, be, to, to shine in your situation. And you have to take what is in the Word, what you know that He says in the Word, and you have to experientially enter into that and apply it to your situation. And then it'll work for you. Your Bible just laying there on the, on the coffee table has a lot of knowledge in it, but you have to get to know that knowledge. And then you have to experience it. And the way you experience it is by applying it. Okay, good, good one, Ann. Somebody else? What's another way for us? Yes, Julie. Amen. Amen. That reminds me of, I, I, I had a message one morning on that never 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 and I kept doing the nevers but I had that picture have you ever seen seen that picture of the crane who swallowed the the frog and the frog 
still has his hand out. And he's got a hold of the, of the uh, crane's throat. You know, he's to never give up. And that is so true. Never give up. Because Jesus, through Jesus Christ, we are the victors. Amen. Yes, Paul. Awesome. Awesome. <clears throat> Ask for forgiveness. I'm going to get to that one. We're going to go into detail on that one sometime or another. Yes. Ask for forgiveness. Really, marriage is a lifestyle of forgiveness. Isn't it? It really is. Jackie's had to walk in it continuously. Yeah. Communication. That's going to be a key issue that we're going to be talking about uh, in the future as well. Communication. Communication is just so key. And the tough part for us guys is that that's a, that's a struggle for us. It's not a struggle so much for gal. I'm, I'm talking about generally speaking. I know there's exceptions to the rule. But generally speaking, women have a better uh, ability to communicate. And, and us guys, sometimes we just don't understand. Uh, we don't get it. We, we don't, we're not in contact with our feelings so much. So it's, a lot of times it's just fact-based. You know, hey, the fact is this. And we respond to the fact. It's immediate. Uh, this week we had a cardinal that was kept coming up to our, and it happens every year. We have a sliding, sliding glass door there that's underneath the porch. And this cardinal is a female cardinal. She'd come up and she pecks the window and then she flies back over and then she'd go to this wreath on the other door. She'd fly up and peck the window. Kind of hit the, hit it kind of hard sometimes. Hit the window and then she'd fly back over. And Jackie would come over and she'd say, why is that bird doing that? And she said, what kind of bird is that anyway? I said, it's a female cardinal. I said, the male cardinal, you know, he's on out there a little ways. And she said, why is he doing that? And I, I said, well, you know, that's just, it happens every year. And then she'd come back over a little bit later and that bird hit the, hit the glass. And she says, why is he still doing that? I said, Jackie, go out there and get our owl. We have one of those plastic owls. I said, go out and sit, set it out there on the porch, and uh, that'll take care of it. Well, she didn't, she didn't do that. She come back two or three more times saying, what is this bird doing? And I, I finally realized she wasn't asking what the bird was doing. She was asking me to go get the owl and set it out there <laughs> and take care of this crazy bird problem. Isn't that right? It took me a little while to figure that out. You know, I just wish sometimes you guys would just tell us what you want us to do. But, <laughs> yeah. And then after they've told us, then we don't like that either. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's for forgiveness, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I finally, I told her, I, I, I was trying to keep it light because I didn't, what do we have a tendency to do, guys? We can get frustrated because we've heard the same thing over and over and over. Can't, well, instead of getting frustrated, I said, Jackie, you know how you women are. I said, it's mating season. And I said, when it's mating season, all of you gals want to bang your head up against the wall. You want to bang your head up against the glass. You want to do something, you know. So that's what's going on. And so I went out and got the owl, and sure enough, the bird hadn't been hitting the glass any longer. 
But anyway, that's just one of those situations where communication is such a key. I am still learning after almost 45 years how to communicate with her. Yes. Yes, amen. Yeah, that kind of goes along with what I shared last week. I quit asking the Lord to fix Jackie because every time I do, he wants to fix me. And so we have to look to ourselves. What is it that I can do better? Somebody else. What's trust? Right. And that's a two-way street, isn't it? Trust is a two-way street. Uh, we never have to question whether the Lord is trustworthy. But sometimes we're not trustworthy. And that's when trust breaks down. So we have to build that trust mutually. And it has to be consistent, right? It has to be consistently trustworthy. Good. Very good. Somebody else? Yes, Shanda. Can everybody hear Shanda? Let's get the mic. But when I'm talking to myself, it goes like this. Arise, O Lord, deliver Chanda. Oh my God. Strike all Chanda's enemies on the jaw and break the teeth of the wicked. That's different. Mm. That brings tears to my eyes. I mean, and that's, that's when, powerful. When you're in your war room or wherever it is, sometimes my war room's in the barn, sometimes it's just in the kitchen. It, your war room can be anywhere you want it to be. Sometimes it has to be in your cubicle at work. It, it just does something different. And something I've also learned in the past week is prophesying over yourself. And it sounds at first like this is some type of, oh, you've just read this out of a positive, you know, self-speaking magazine, but it's really powerful. I've got about, so far in about a week and a half, I've got about 20 things wrote in this prophecy journal because I don't know about you, but when people go to the doctor, you know, you might be sick, but then you forget the things that you need to ask the doctor so I wrote it in a book because I'm forgetful like that. So that way, when I go to the doctor, the healer, I know. And I'm not going to read all of them to you because some of them are kind of private, but I'm, I'm going to prophesy over Chanda Hyatt that I will stop being fearful, fearful of failure, fearful of not being able to pay my bills, fearful of not being good enough, that something bad's going to happen to my kids, fearful of trying new things. The list can go on and on. Mm-hmm. Whatever things God brings to your mind or things you're dealing with, write it in a prophecy journal and start every single day prophesying over your own self. We have the power. The Spirit lives in us. When we said, Jesus, I am yours, we've got to start taking the bull by the horns. This word is for us. Plug your name into it. Start speaking it over yourself. It's so powerful. I can't like Amen. even describe to you how powerful it is. It seems like a little hokey at first when you're shouting in your living room by yourself, looking at the cow, but it's not. He hears it. Speak it out loud, not under your breath or whispering it to yourself. Speak it out loud. Your words are really powerful. Amen. Good. Hallelujah. That sounds foreign to a lot of us. I'll get to you in just a minute, Christy. That sounds foreign to us because that word prophesying, we think that that has to be some supernatural Thing that comes upon you and you can't control yourself. That's not it at all. Prophesying is speaking the Word of God over your situation and you apply that to your particular self. That's why it's, it's just so awesome, Shanda, that you put your name in there. Prophesying is this. The Word says to speak those things that are not 
as though they are. That's, that's really prophetically speaking. So you're speaking something into your situation that you want to come to pass that is not the way that you want it right now. Does that make sense? So you have a bad marriage. You begin to prophesy that my marriage is healthy. My marriage is good. I thank you, Father, that you have healed my marriage. I thank you that you're doing a work in me. And I, I believe that I am going to be everything that you have set me to be as a husband. You've, you are making me into everything that I need to be as a wife. You are prophetically speaking those things. Good. Very good. Christy. Amen. Amen. We're supposed to walk by the Spirit. Amen. And not by the flesh. Those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Um, it's been said that the Holy Spirit is the most ignored person on the face of the earth. Many times I think what, exactly what Christy's saying. The Holy Spirit. Man, ask the Holy Spirit to do some things that only the Holy Spirit can do. Amen. Somebody else? Amen. Good. Very good. That is, the, that is exactly what's taking place. We, the church, are the bride. Christ is the bridegroom. And he's, the, the devil's trying to destroy that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Somebody else? Yes. Fasting and praying. Amen. Kelly. Amen. That is so important. Amen. Yeah, you've got to be getting filled. You, you need to be hearing advice that is godly advice. You know, there, there's people who go to counselors that are not Christians. I, I don't like that. I, I want counsel that is based on the Word of God. And I want input from other people that's based on the Word of God or someone who has a relationship with God. Not just like what Kelly's saying. You know, just anybody who can say, oh, your husband's a jerk, you need to leave him. I mean, that, that's poor counsel. Anybody else? Amen. Share your story. And Amber has a perfect example uh, they had a couple that they were talking with about a situation, and they began to share how that they had a, a disciplinary thing that they had to deal with, and Josh and Amber felt like that they, I mean, that's just the same thing that we're dealing with in our situation. I had no idea that you guys dealt with that. Uh, I would never have thought that you dealt with that same situation. And there's other people who d deal with some of the same stuff you deal with. You're not in this alone. And when you let your story be known, it can be a testimony and it can be healing. It can be a ministry to other people. So that's one thing I'd want to say to anybody whose marriage is in trouble. Look at your situation and even prophesy over your situation that you are going to become a minister in the area of your pain right now. Because it's from your experience that you can really speak into the lives of other people. Amen? Good. Very good. Tell your story. Somebody else. So plan to have fun together. And sometimes it's, a, it's an event. It doesn't always have to be something elaborate or expensive. It can be very simple. Okay, let's uh, begin to move on. Uh, I have a couple of things here that maybe were not uh, mentioned. I do have put God first. I have prayer, which is mentioned. Uh, our words are so important. The power of the tongue. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. We're going to go into that in greater detail in the coming weeks. Uh, I did want to mention this one. Uh, winning hearts. 
rather than winning arguments. It's so important to win hearts rather than win arguments. Uh, I, I know for many, many years, probably in our marriage, I wanted to win the argument. And now I've come to realize in my older years now here, I'm beginning to understand that winning an argument really is self-defeating. Because you can win an argument and lose the person. And so now I, I don't really care so much if I win the argument or not. I want to win a heart. You know, the best coaches in sports are those who not only know how to coach uh, their physical ability, but they also know how to coach the heart. That's what makes a great coach. And we've had experiences of, of coaches, I'm probably everybody in this room, maybe if you've had children coming up through sports, at one time or another you've had someone who really had no regard for the child's heart. They were just coaching their ability. And it's the same way in marriage. We need to coach. We need to be tender towards the other person's heart. And I would much rather win Jackie's heart than to win an argument. And so that takes some doings, doesn't it? It takes some laying down your life. It takes some uh, humbling at times. It takes some, uh, some great consideration of the other person instead of just, just me. Now, I realize it takes two to tango. That is a secular term that is very, very true. Some secular terms aren't so true, but it does take two to tango, and it takes the give and take from both sides. And I think I'm just mindful of this right now that I want to say to you, I hope you're getting something from all this. This is like a, uh, kind of like a uh, fireside chat with family. There's someone sitting here this morning who is thinking, you don't know the one I'm married to. And I, I just want to respond to that. I want to say, you, you're exactly right, but don't use that as an excuse. Do not allow the devil to steal what he's trying to do in you so that he can make the two one. So if you're, it's like I mentioned last week, I had a warning for you, and that was this, that was if you are going to constantly sit here during this time that we have over marriage for the next few weeks, if you're going to constantly sit here and think, boy, I hope she's listening to this, or I hope he's taking notes, stop it. Just stop doing that and glean what it is that you need to be doing in yourself. And then you have to trust in the Lord that He's going to take care of the other person. This, this whole thing is, is a, as you mentioned, a trust area. Yes. Okay. Praise the Lord. This is good. Uh, so I want to win hearts rather than win arguments. Uh, I think we need, you need to have a balance in your discipline with your children. That has a lot to do with this as well. Sam mentioned uh, really having a date night. So important. Uh, your time. You need to be excellent time managers. Uh, Israel, here in Nehemiah's time, we read this about Nehemiah rebuilding the wall. Israel was in a situation where they were just in survival mode. How many of you feel like, well, don't raise your hand, <laughs> how many of you feel like your marriage is just in survival mode? 
So many of us get there. I, I would say probably most every marriage gets at that place sometime or another. You just feel like you're trying to survive. And you have to be a great manager of your time so that you're not just going through the motions. You're not just existing. We want life to be vital, have vitality. We want you to have an exuberant, uh, awesome, happy marriage. And it is quite possible. Hallelujah. We need to live our lives fully alive. Gary Smalley uh, got some uh, quotes here. That I'm going to be quoting these couple, couple of guys several times. Chad, give me that first one there for Gary Smalley. Life is relationships. The rest is just details. I'm going to be quoting Gary Smalley quite a bit in the next few weeks and another guy called Kevin Lehman. Uh, life is relationships. Isn't that the truth? Everything else is just detail. And life developing relationships is so important. First of all, your relationship with the Lord. That is absolute key in your life and in your marriage. Everything else is just detail. So you want to be building these strong relationships with the Lord, strong relationships uh, with each other, strong relationships with community. This next one, I think, is, is just such a good quote for all of us to think about. Gary Smalley says this, Make it your goal to create a marriage that feels like the safest place on earth. That is so key and vital to your marriage. Make it your goal to create a marriage that feels like the safest place on earth. When Jackie and I first got married, she was working for the uh, prosecuting attorney in uh, Madison, uh, Delaware County. And then she uh, moved to, Mar whenever we got married, she came to Marion and she worked for Dick Green and Gene Johnson. Many of you know those two attorneys. She worked for them for a couple of years. And then she, I was praying that the Lord would begin to just put in her heart to be a stay-at-home mom. I'm a great supporter of stay-at-home moms. You know, you get shot down for that today. Uh, that's not too well supported today. But uh, I'm a great fan of stay-at-home moms. And I wanted Jackie to be able to do that. And so I began to pray about that. And it was just, I mean, she was a career woman. Uh, and just like flipping a switch once again, all of a sudden she began to feel like it. She, she wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. Well, this was a period of transition for her. It was it was. I mean, it was a whole, almost a personality change for her because she was a career-minded person. And as she began to, she turned in her notice that she was going to be uh, resigning and going to be staying home uh, whenever she become pregnant with Brittany. And uh, let me pause here just for a moment. I, I, I think of this quote. Uh, Please forgive me for using ourselves as examples all the time. I know we're not, I like this quote here, I know we're not the best example, but we're the example that I know best. Um, so as she was approaching that two-week period, she began to really get anxious on what this life was going to be and not having a career, not being at home. And I did everything I could to try to create an atmosphere in our home where she felt worth for being a stay-at-home mom. Because even then, in the, in the mid-70s, uh, 
it was beginning to turn to where some, maybe some of that wasn't looked upon as well as it used to be. And I just tried to, I hope you're understanding what I'm saying. I tried to help create an atmosphere for Jackie to where she felt like what she was doing was a wonderful thing. That it was what God wanted her to do. That it was the best thing for her to do. And I tried to create an atmosphere for her to just feel safe in doing that of staying home. You see where I'm coming from. You can do that in many, many areas of your, of your marriage. Spouses, husbands, and wives. You need to do that for each other. Man, I'll tell you what, gals. The last thing a guy needs to do whenever he's had a hard day at, at work is to come home and hear you going on about something that happened to you that day. Do you need to talk about those sorts of things? Yes, but give him a little space for first before you start dumping all kinds of stuff into him. And it's the same way with guys. Guys, they want to share their feelings and want to share their experiences. And sometimes we just have to learn to listen. Be a good listener, as it was mentioned this morning. Be a good listener of the things that they are going through. Make your home have an environment where they just feel safe. If you can't feel safe at home, where can you feel safe at? If you can't be open and honest and feel comfortable here in a church setting, how are you ever going to be confident and open and feel safe out in the world? There needs to be places that are a safe haven. And your home most definitely needs to be one of those places. All right, we're getting there. Got another, another one I'm going to, I got a couple more here. Give me that next one. Yeah, love is a decision, not always an easy one. I think all of us can say amen to that one. <laughs> love is a decision. So, too many times we have our mindset that the love is a feeling. Love does have feelings. But you don't base your love on your feelings. You base it on a decision. I will love this person. It's the same way with the Lord. I will love the Lord my God with all my heart. It's a decision. David spoke to himself. And he said, praise the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me. He was telling himself to praise the Lord. There's times where Jackie has to say, I'm going to love him whether he wants me to or not. You know, it is a decision. Praise the Lord. Okay, one more from Gary Smalley. Um, not forgiving, and I'm going to go into this deeper next week. It says, not forgiving somebody is like drinking poison, hoping that the offender will get sick. Maybe you've heard that before. Gary Smalley is the one who equipped that. Not forgiving somebody is like drinking poison and hoping the offender will get sick. We're going to talk about this leading off. Well, not next week. Next week's Mother's Day. And Josh has the message for Mother's Day next week back over in the sanctuary. Uh, the week after that, I'm going to launch into forgiveness in a great, greater way. But forgiveness is such a key element in having a successful marriage. Um, I just can't hardly say enough about that one. Are you getting anything from this this morning? Good, isn't it? Let's all stand.
can, can I, can I, uh, I want to ask all of you to pray for the marriages in our congregation. Uh, I'm not going to mention names. I probably don't even know. I'm sure I don't know all the situations that are going on. I, I know of a handful of them. Will you just pray this week for our, fa- for our families, for our marriages, that every one of them will survive, that every one of them will not only survive, but that every one of them will thrive and we'll see our congregation strengthened in all of that. Father, I bless you for today. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, that you are the one who designed marriage. You're the one who invented it. It's by your purpose and your will that couples are joined together. And I thank you, Lord, for doing a miraculous thing through this series of changing hearts, changing situations, restoring marriages, strengthening those ones that are doing okay, causing all of our marriages to be a blessing and an honor to you. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.